The title of my message today is House of Breakthrough. House of Breakthrough. In the, the, the book of Ruth, only a, a, a small book, four chapters, is a great story. The importance of the book of Ruth is it ties into the lineage of David, thus the lineage of Christ. And it's got such a beautiful comeback story. Ruth in the Bible went from gleaning in the field to owning the field. Don't underestimate how fast God can turn things around in your life. In chapter 4 is the climatic restoration and the prophetic release of words to her and to her family. And I want to begin with that, and then we'll go back to the beginning. Chapter 4, Ruth, verse 12. The women of the city now are pronouncing a corporate blessing, a prophetic blessing over Naomi, Ruth's uh, mother-in-law. And they said this, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. Then Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. He went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. Stay redeemer, kinsman redeemer. May his name be famous in Israel, a title and a description of every Christian's prayer for Jesus. At CFTN, may the name of Jesus be famous. In Phoenix, Arizona, may the name of Jesus be famous. In, in Arizona and in the world, may the name of Jesus be famous. And may he be, now this would be this miracle grandson, be a restorer of life to you. What a great title of Jesus. And a nourisher of your old age. Two important things God cares about in people's lives. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. And we'll come back to that. Father, we thank you for your word that's living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Anoint your word, anoint your servant, anoint your people. Holy Spirit, let great revelation flow. Let deliverance flow. Show that devil who's boss. Let destinies be awakened. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The book of Ruth begins in chapter 1 telling us, giving us the setting. And verse 1 of chapter 1 says this, In the time of Judges it came to pass, there was a famine in the land. A certain man of Bethlehem of Judah who went to dwell in Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. So this is Elimelech, that's Naomi's husband. They had two sons, Malon and Chilion. And so Bethlehem is in Israel, and it means house of bread. So there's a famine there, and because of the famine, they were forced to move. It's, there was nothing ungodly about this move. It's just a father and a mother taking care of their young family, two probably teenage boys, and they move because of famine. Now, let me just say a couple things to play on words here. Whenever the church stops serving heaven's bread, people stop attending. And so the church is a place for manna, for God to speak. And when God's not speaking, it creates a spiritual famine. 
Now, beyond that, deeper than that, and more broad than that, the world without God is always a place of famine. There's never enough joy, peace, love, life, health, healing, grace. The world runs out of everything it has. But in the kingdom of God, we never run out of anything God is. God never wakes up one, he never goes to sleep, but there's never a day when you wake up and God says, I'm tired of loving all you people. No more love. God has endless supplies. David said, his mercy endures forever. John said, God is love. So in the kingdom of God, the attributes of God and the graces of, of the kingdom never run out. There's a, they're inexhaustible. And so that's, that's where we get to show people the difference between God's kingdom and this culture. Not just by argument, but by personal experience. So there's a famine and they make the move. And so that's tough enough. They're adjusting in Moab. While they're there, the young men become young adults and both of them find wives. So both of these young men, Malon and Chilion, marry two Moabite women. And so everything, you know, the, as a parent, you feel successful when your kids, first of all, move out of the house and, you know, get jobs and get married and start their own lives. And so they're, they're, they're doing that. Everything's good. And then the one season, everything changed. One horrific season of despair and death, devastation. Every man in this family died within a few months. First the father, then the son, then the second son. And Naomi blinked her eyes. And when she opened them, she was a widow with no children. She lost everything that meant anything to her. And she gathered her daughter-in-laws, Ruth and the other one, Orpah, and she said, girls, I have no more sons than me. I'm an older woman. I just release you to go and live your lives and start over. And so the Bible says Orpah kissed her and left. But Ruth clung to her and said these great words, no, it's not so fast, ma'am. I'm going with you. Your God is going to be my God. Your people are going to be my people. Where you go, I'm going to go. And where you die, I will die. And she said, I'm not leaving. True friends stay even when you don't have much to offer them anymore. It's a test of life. Hardships and heartache reveal the quality of our relationships. And so we find out who's really a friend when they no longer can benefit from us. And there was no natural benefit. There was no, but, but, but spiritually, Ruth prophetically said, no, no, no. 
You think your story's over, but I see something in your future, and I want to be there when God restores your life. And so she clung to her in friendship. We don't need a thousand friends. Sometimes if you just got one good friend that clings to you when your heart is broken and when the tears are flowing and when life is so hurtful, one friend like that can make a difference. When we had my hardships, Beautiful Mary and Dr. Kennedy were kind of my two friends that clung to me. And it, man, I was so appreciative. You don't need everybody. You, you just need somebody. And let me encourage you. Maybe you're supposed to be that friend. That friend, when people try to chase you away, I got nothing to offer you. It's important as kingdom ambassadors, we see value in people even when they feel valueless. So they begin their journey now. They're going to go back to Bethlehem after 10 years. So they go from Moab back to Bethlehem. Naomi the mother, Ruth the daughter-in-law. And as they're greeting, as they come to town, the whole town knows Naomi. Her family was substantial. She grew up there. And the women of the city start shouting, Naomi, Naomi, welcome home. Naomi means pleasant one. And so every time they said her name, they were saying the word you're a pleasant one. And she said, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. I hate my name because my circumstance don't match my name. You call me, Naomi, stop it. Call me Mara, which means bitter. And she said, for I went out full, but I'm coming home empty. There is something about the seasons of life when you feel emptied out. When you feel I got nothing left, when dreams are stolen, when life is disappointing, when there's crushing losses, there's something about that season that is so intense. And, and part of that season, if we're not careful, it'll reach right for our identity and tell us we're not who God says we are, that, we're some, that we must not be the children of God, we must, we, that God probably doesn't love us. We have to fight through the fog of that disappointing moment and never forget who God says we are. So... She comes home when she's brokenhearted. And her, her surname, her nickname, Mara. Well, chapter 2, Ruth now, they're two widows. It's, it's a generational story of breakthroughs for the older and the younger. Today's a breakthrough day. Your house is the house of breakthrough. So in chapter 2... Ruth says, well, we got to eat. <laughs> and so according to uh, Leverite law, to Levitical principle, to the Mosaic law, God always made provision for widows and orphans. He always did. So part of that was to leave like 10% of the crop behind. So Ruth goes to glean, which is to take the crop that was left over for them intentionally by the reapers so they, they could eat and also use it for barter. So she comes to the field, and the Bible says, I think it's verse 2, and she happened. Don't you like heavenly happenings? Come on. I've, it's happened to me so many times, it freaks me out. I'll come and sit in an airplane, see it, turn my head, and there's someone that God wants, you know, I was supposed to talk to. I go, whoa. 
all the time. It happens all the time. It's, it's funny. It happens to my wife. She can't even go. What's that store you go to, honey? Huh? No, the other one. No, no, no last chance. The other one. Yeah, goodwill. <laughs> so, <laughs> my wife treasure hunts at Goodwill. I'm like, I'd rather treasure hunt at Nordstrom's. I don't know. <laughs> you, but she, she's, she, she, and she, without fail, every day, you're not going to believe who I ran into. Every time she goes anywhere, you're not going to believe what happened. Pastor, why don't you run into people? Well, this summer I didn't leave the house. It's uh, simple. All I had was a bike, and it was too hot to ride it. Divine appointments. Now, now please get this. Hidden in the disappointments of life are divine appointments from God. And if you can get past the emotional fog of disappointment, you can see a divine encounter about to happen in your story. So she happens upon the field that belongs to Boaz, the, the godly rich bachelor. It's the bachelor before the TV show. Okay? He's wealthy. He's handsome. He's rich. He's godly. He's a great catch, but no one's caught him. So she's, she's, going, she's starting to glean. And Boaz, Boaz who's not, who was not blind like I was, so he says, whoa, who's that new CFTN girl? He's like, Whoa, man, what's going on here? He finds out about who is that girl? Well, she's Ruth's. So here's, he hears all about her godly behavior in a difficult season, standing with her mother-in-law. He's impressed by her integrity before he's swept up by her beauty. The most beautiful makeup, clothing, future a woman can have is to be godly. <laughs> Keep wearing makeup, but be, be, be godly. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't. Okay. But, uh, Pastor George told me to say that. So, Boaz says to his reapers, leave her alone. There's a season you're going to walk into when God says to all the nonsense you've been through, your time is up. Leave them alone. And then he comes to her and said, I give you permission. This is my field. Stay in this part of the field. So there was a huge field. A portion of the field belonged to him. He said, stay in this section of the harvest field. You have my permission. You have my protection. And we're going to leave bundles of blessings. And you have my provision. So she starts reaping. And there's a great verse. I think it's verse 16. And it says, everywhere she went in the field, she picked up handfuls of purpose. So it was a crop already, already harvested and bundled, and all she had to do was pick it up. Uh, 
We, 14 years ago, I'm, I'm so grateful God gave us this miracle property for my favorite word in English language, free. And it was, all we had to do was walk into it. It was large, furnished, and prepared. Now, she walked into a field where every need was met. All she had to do was pick it up. God has walked into your life. Come on. I don't, I don't know what famine you're coming out of. I don't know what heartache you've been through. I just know you keep walking forward and you're going to find handfuls of purpose set in your field. And all God says, just pick it up. Pick it up by faith. Pick it up by trust. Pick it up by hope in me. She comes home and says, look what happened. And Naomi says, this is it. Don't you like older people that can tell the end of a story from the first? Oh, this is going to be a good ending. Ruth doesn't know what's happening. Naomi says, oh, oh, he likes you. He likes you. He does? He just let me reap in his field. Honey, that's not normal. Got his eyes on you. And so says, here's what you do. Chapter 3. Put on your best clothes. Bathe and anoint yourself with perfume. And tonight when he's at the threshing floor and when he's tired and resting, go lay at his feet. Now this was in Hebrew custom, a way a man could redeem a person, a, a, a beautiful example of God redeeming us. And so if someone laid at their feet and they covered him, the man was saying, I accept you and I will redeem you. I will pay whatever needs to be paid. And I'll bring you into my family. So she finds Boaz, who's now is tired. The, the threshing floor was a large flat, like this platform here, a large flat stone surface on an elevated part of Bethlehem. And what they would do, they would take the crop, which is now it's all together. There's grain in it, but it's covered up and contained by stalk. And so at the threshing floor, they would usually take like an ox and tie it to a rope and a and a pole, and they would lay all the grain on the floor, and the ox's job was to walk around crushing the grain, separating the valuable from the unvaluable. Come on, Elizabeth talked about process. Welcome to the kingdom. Crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> Pastor, I got all these things going on. Oh, it's going to end up so sweet. And so after all the... <laughs> Sometimes God will send an auction to your life that he won't take away because he's going to use it to make you more like Jesus. Okay? So when it's, everything's crunched, now it's, there's a mix, mixture of that crunched stalk and the valuable weighty grain. And so they would take a winnowing fan. They would scoop it up and they would lift it up, throw up, up in the air, and the wind would blow away the light and the unvaluable, invaluable, unvaluable, of the stalk. And the grain, because it was heavy, fall, would fall back into the fan. So here's, now this is what this man's been doing. He's been, <clears throat> Jesus is at the threshing floor. 
When you say, Jesus, make me more like you, he says, thank you for trusting me with this process. Now hold on, speak in tongues, and play lots of worship music. <laughs> because there might be some crunching involved in this next season. Make me more like you. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Jesus! What's going on? It's okay. It's going to end good. You're going to be worth more. You're going to have value added to you and flesh taken from you. So she comes and she lays at his feet. He's tired and he's asleep. He's startled. He wakes up and says, who, who are you? She said, I'm, I'm Ruth. He said, bingo. I give you the rose. Okay. Just trying to see how many of you carnal people watch that show. And so she, she says, I, I've come to see if you want to redeem me. He said, yes. And he took his garment and he covered her. Thank you, Jesus, for covering us. Your love covers a multitude of sin. We sang at the first service, your blood covers all of my sin. Your redemption calls, covers all of my life. And there's nothing you can't redeem once it's covered. And then their marriage was set. Kind of like a marriage proposal right there. So she wakes up before dawn and she runs away because she didn't want people to think it was sexual. There was no sex. It wasn't immoral. It was, it was godly. So she runs away and she tells Naomi, Here's what, I laid there, he covered me. She said, oh, I hear the sound of wedding bells. So he has to go to the city elders and he said, I'm, I'm not the first or the closest relative to Elimelech. There's another man. And he said, you can redeem her if you want. And there was a little bit of a discussion. The other guy wanted to then change his mind. And so Boaz redeemed her. They would take off sandals and high-five sandals. So some kind of foot exchange back then for covenantal promises. And then so he redeemed her. And, and, and then they're married. And, and suddenly she has a baby. And his name was Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. David had a great-great-grandson named Jesus Christ. But the women said, just to, it took me too long to get here. Here's my closing. The women said to her, may your house be like the house of Perez. Now, Perez was a relative of Elimelech going back way to Genesis. And in Genesis chapter 38, this story, just stay with me because this is better than a soap opera. A woman named Tamar, godly woman, marries into a dysfunctional family led by the patriarch Judah. And she marries Judah's firstborn son, Ur. And the Bible simply says this, Ur was so wicked, God killed him. Now, it's a big planet, lots of people. 
you have to be unusually wicked for God to say, stop everybody. I got to kill that guy. <laughs> that, that, boom. So he's so bad, boom, he's gone. And so by principle, God caring for, because she's childless, she's given to the second son. Now this Bible said the second son enjoyed physical intimacy with her, or enjoyed pleasure, but would not impregnate her. And when God saw that, he said that was evil. And God killed the second son. Now there's a third son named Shelah. And so Judah says to her, well, wait a few years when he's old enough, I'll let you marry him. But he would never allow her to marry into his family again because he blamed her for the death of his sons. It was his stronghold of immorality that became the sin that destroyed his sons. Blaming her. Like she, all she did was marry into a, a very dysfunctional family. So she eventually figures out, Sheila's getting older. She says, he's, he lied to me. He's not going to give me another son. And so Judah's wife dies. He's probably middle-aged. And so he's going on a business trip. He's going on a business trip. And she, Tamar, hears about it. So she goes ahead of him. She buys some lingerie. She puts on some Frank Sinatra music. Gets a, a dimmer switch light. And she sets up a little house, of, a little tent of pleasures. So here comes Judah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, there's a prostitute in this road. Well, what do you know? And the Bible says he goes into her. And she said, what will you give me? He said, well, I don't, I, I don't have any. I'll bring you a goat when I come back on the way home. But here's my staff, here's my seal. So he has sex with her without even recognizing who she is. Don't make me go there, I won't go there. And then she immediately shuts down and goes back home. He comes back from his trip and, she, and she's gone. He thinks, oh, freebie. Cost me nothing. That's like the biggest lie. You know, every man that's ever believed that, it always ends up costing you. And so anyways, a few months later, three, four months later, guess who's pregnant? Palm tree. Tamar. And when they find out she's pregnant, the men of the household erupt in self-righteous anger. How dare she play the harlot? And they bring her before Judah. You deserve to die. And she says, let me share something with you. The man who put this baby in my belly also gave me this staff and this seal. Judah looked at his staff and his seal and said, I think we should be merciful. I, I thought, I've changed my mind. So Tamar breaks through in spite of the unbelievable godlessness of that family. And then she's ready for birth. And when it's time for birth, she has twins. I just want to preface that to every person who's had to wait too long for a husband, for a wife, for a baby, for a blessing, for a ministry, for a business. 
double portion on you, double portion on you, double portion in your belly, double portion in your business, double portion in your marriage, double portion in your ministry, double, 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 double. For all your trouble, may God give you double. For all your shame, may God give you double. May, for all your loss, may God double up your gains. For all your pain, may God double up your healings, your testimonies, your turnarounds, your victories, double to you. The God of double portion has his eyes on you. He's not forsaken you, he's not forgotten you, and he's not done with you. So let me finish this story. So if now it's labor and the birth is common, so there's twins and the oldest son in a Jewish family got double portions. There was always a rule. So with twins, it was important to recognize who was the first twin. So a little hand comes out of the womb and the nurse ties a ribbon on it. Okay, you're first. All of a sudden, the hands pulled back in. She said, what's going on here? There's some kind of wrestling. There's some kind of repositioning. And all of a sudden, the other twin comes out. And the nurse says, how did you break through? His name, Perez, to break through. Now, listen to me. God's about to blow people's mind. And they're going to say, how did you break through? How did you survive that? How did you overcome that? How did you prevail? You didn't have a ribbon on you. You weren't chosen to be the one. You weren't voted most likely to succeed. One of the funnest things from my class reunion, I think it was 10 years, is when everyone found out I was in a ministry, they're like, what? You were just a goof off jock. I said, isn't it great? Isn't it great? got no ribbon, they didn't choose me, broke through. I don't know what the odds are in your story, but when God steps into the arena of your life, he will help you break through. Come on, turn to someone and say, my name is Perez. Tell them, my, my name is Perez. So the women said, as Perez came out, the women said, just like Perez broke through. Ruth, you've broken through. And Naomi, you've broken through. And they took that baby and they handed it to Naomi. Ruth gave birth to it. And they handed it to Naomi. Naomi became the nurse. Now, there's a high probability that God allowed Naomi to have physical milk for this baby. Another redemptive miracle. It's filled with miracles. And all of a sudden, she still lost her husband. She still lost two sons. But now God's rebuilding her life. God's restoring her life because she didn't die in that pain. She didn't give up in that pain. She didn't let go of her future. She kept walking on. And when she came back to Bethlehem, she, when she came back to God's place, it allowed God to give her everything that life took from her. And the women said, your daughter-in-law is better than Seth. Let me say it like the Bible. We know that all things work together for the good of them that love God called by his purpose. If it's not good yet, it only means God's not done yet. Don't you dare put a period, but God only put a comma. Don't you dare give up before God has finished up. Don't you dare tell God he can't be God. Just let God be God. 
God. And even when you can't figure out what's happening, trust God. When you can't trace God, trust God. When your mind can't fathom and you can't, you can't congregate, you can't think of how is this going to work out. Don't worry. He's got a bigger brain than you. And he will find a way. He will work. There's a Boaz waiting for you. God's going to take a moment and give you a divine appointment. God's put your name in someone's mind. And it's not going to let them sleep until they bless you. God's stirring things in people's hearts concerning you. And Naomi's story as an older woman was she broke through. Ruth's story as a younger woman, she broke through. And in the lineage of Christ as a Moabitist woman named Ruth who became Jewish by marriage and Jewish by religion or faith. But she broke through. There are all these heroes in this room today. People that have not let life take them out, paralyze their faith, steal their dreams, cripple their hopes. And you are breaking through, my friend. I know you haven't seen everything yet. I know what that's like. But just hold on. God's going to help you hold in your hands the dreams of your heart. You're going to see God break through. May your house be a house of breakthrough. May your marriage be a marriage of breakthrough. May God break through for your children. May God break through for your business. May God break through your ministry. We declare in Jesus' name, it's a season of heavenly breakthroughs. Come on, someone give God a shout of praise. (laughs) It's breakthrough time. It's breakthrough time. It's breakthrough time. God, chase out of this room depression, discouragement, disappointment, and hopelessness. Just chase it out. Let dreams be given. Let dreams be awakened. Let hope live. Because, God, you're not done. Prayer team, please join me down front. devil shouldn't have ever messed with you. He should have picked on someone else. He didn't know he was messing with the overcomer. He didn't know that the fight he started, God was going to finish. He didn't know that God was going to give you double for all your trouble. He didn't know that there was a Boaz in your future, that there was an Obed in your future, that there was a turnaround in your future, that there was a divine encounter, a divine appointment in your future. He didn't know that there was a prophetic word ready to be fulfilled. He didn't know what God could do, but he knows now. You're the comeback kid. You come back and now God's writing a new chapter filled with all kinds of beautiful testimonies. Come on, you shake off the lie of shame. Shake off the lie of condemnation. Shake off the devil's a fearful attack that you would never see blessings again. And let God build inside of you a resiliency, a new, a new dream. You're not too old for a new dream. You're not too broken for God to touch. As we close this service, I want to invite anyone that needs prayer 
to please join us down front. We believe in prayer. We believe in praying for those that need prayer. And I just feel breakthrough is here like it's so much authority. But the biggest breakthrough in life is giving your life to Jesus and finding salvation through His grace. If you've never received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, confessing Him, believing in Him, and receiving Him from God through repentance and confession salvation, man, we're here to pray with you. If you've been away from God, make today homecoming Sunday. If you need a healing in your mind or your body, we believe Jesus heals both. We'd be honored to pray for you. You say, Pastor, I'm just having the toughest season ever. Don't go home. Let someone pray a breakthrough prayer for you. Join us down front if you need prayer. Church, just for 90 seconds longer. Would you please worship God with me? Come on, let's worship God. We sing, come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. Everything in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We seek come alive and come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring everything to the feet of Jesus. going to keep worshiping and praying for as long as people are standing here. If you're going home today, I declare it's breakthrough time. You have a house of breakthrough. Mary and I love you. We're humbled and honored to serve here. Have a wonderful rest of your day. If you're leaving, tell someone on the way out, Jesus loves them like crazy. God bless you. Stay with here as long as you want to. God bless you. Have a wonderful week, church. Yeah.